Welcome to the RSA Conference StoryCorps Podcasts. Please enjoy this discussion between crypto and security experts Zulfikar Ramzan and Paul Kotcher. Zulfikar is Chief Technology Officer at RSA, and Paul is President and Chief Scientist of the Cryptography Research Division of Rambus. Zulfikar begins the conversation. So it's been a while, Paul. Um, what would you say are maybe the things that you couldn't have predicted about the field that ended up being true and, and vice versa? I had this initial real optimism that, okay, this, these mathematical, um, almost miracles could solve the world's security problems and then very quickly realized that there was this huge gap between the mathematics and the people and the products. You know, we, we think we, factoring is hard, right. but it hasn't, we haven't got very many more things that we can really trust past that. We don't have computer chips for the most part where we can be really sure they do what we think they'll do. I mean, just knowing that you encrypted with the algorithm implemented correctly is a, still a very hard problem. And there are something like 10 billion chips that now get made every year with the power analysis countermeasures that we license. And right. the idea that there are more of those being made than people on the planet would never have occurred to me 10 years ago. Um, right. I, I couldn't have just seen where those growth curves could have gone. To begin with, there are so many fundamental open questions beyond just the development of the mathematics. There was a question of, could you implement this reasonably with reasonable efficiency? I mean, I think Ron actually had to go study very large systems integration work or VLSI design to be able to put RSA on a chip because it was too computationally intensive to do at all at that time. Now you could obviously do it at a fraction of a millisecond on a smartphone. It's interesting that sometimes you, you work on something, you think it's interesting and, and it's important, and it can be many, many tries before something really big comes out of it. But if you do persist at some level, it's amazing what the results can look like. Yeah, and we're reaching the point now where I think for the first time, you know, the FBI is complaining that we have some security mechanisms that are too strong. Mm -hmm. And maybe in some ways that's almost a sign that we're on the very, very early stages of actually getting, achieving some of the things that we've been trying to do for a long time as sure. an industry. So in your role at RSA, one of your jobs is to look forward and predict where things are going. And we're mm -hmm. getting this very rapid increase in the number of devices that are out there, and which from attacker perspective means more targets. We're getting more code in those devices. So there's more complexity and bugs, and we're putting more value in those devices. So the attackers get more reward when they break them. Do you see those trends leading to greater security problems without end, or do you see some countervailing effect that can kind of tame these trends that are creating challenges for us all? To me, information security has to co-evolve with the development of information technology. So in general, as there are new, let's say, buzzwords entering the IT lexicon, there has to be some corresponding security capability or security thought put into the implications of that buzzword. And I think what I'm really saying here is that to me, this is part of a longer journey with many, many interesting factors. And we have to kind of take things to some degree one step at a time, but always keep our eye on the horizon about making sure that we always ensure the fundamentals and the way we implement those fundamentals is going to change depending on the nature of the topic at hand. But I believe we, we have an opportunity to really grasp it and grapple against it and think about how we're going to deal with it. There's also so, an economic piece to it, which is, I mean, we've, we've, I suspect what happens in perhaps over time is that the costs of insecurity start to drive decisions rather than the cost of building the, the radio, for example, that connects your um, smoke alarm to the internet or your light bulbs to the internet. And we have to figure out how those costs are charged and what the regulatory environment looks like. When I look at our field security, 
we often started off with the kind of vaccine model. We tried to prevent a lot of things from coming in. And in much the same way that our human bodies often have some form of virus in us at all times, I think we may be in a world where organizations will generally have some things in them that are a little bit threatening. And the goal is that if those threatening things are not bad enough, that they warrant immediate attention or need to be looked at right away, they'll be kind of allowed. Of the things I'm most concerned about, just from a societal perspective, we've reached the point where if you're a country, you're going to get a lot more return by spending money on digital offensive capabilities than you will for physical world offensive capabilities. And then with the Snowden leaks, every country basically got to see that the U.S. was doing a ton of this stuff. So that essentially gives you the moral space to go and build things that previously you might have said, well, maybe there's some ethical issues here to be cautious about. But at least in the world today, if the U.S. does it, other countries feel like not only are they acceptable doing it, they're going to be at a disadvantage if they don't. So those things will eventually get used, and probably almost all of them will at some point or another. Today, we rely on more and more infrastructure that is predicated in, in online activity. We rely on the internet in unprecedented ways. There are industries today that, you know, we talked about the idea a number of years ago during the financial crisis of companies that are too big to fail. I think there are companies right now that are too big to compromise. Now, if I take a single drug manufacturer and attack them in a certain way using a cyber attack, and I can slow down their supply chain by a few days, which doesn't seem like something that would be that difficult to do from a pure technical perspective, I cannot keep a patient from getting a medication on time. And so there are certain industries, whether it's manufacturing or whether it's pharmaceuticals or even a lot of the companies that do things like issue payroll checks, any of them gets compromised in any subtle way. The system is so interconnected that you can cause a massive ripple effect in the economy and actually cause, I think, a full-scale meltdown. And what really scares me is that that meltdown could be initiated by somebody with a fraction of the resources that they would have needed to do the same thing just a few decades ago. And at least one thing that makes me optimistic is the fact that there are 40,000 people at the RSA conference, which means that there are a lot more people who care about this problem than have in the past. Now, not all of them know how to solve the problem. Not all of them maybe even well, understand Any of the them know how to solve the problem. That's right. Yeah, it's true. Maybe no one knows how to solve the problem. But lots of them will tell you that they have a product that will <laughs> solve the problem if you have a large enough check to write. And it's the kind of thing that nobody can verify. I mean, organizations may not realize that the approaches they're taking to protect themselves aren't working because when something doesn't work and threats do get through, there's often no way of knowing for a long time until a big catastrophic event occurs where it's maybe too big to not notice anymore. Well, it's the question of whether there's a catastrophic effect that's so uh, incident that's so severe that we can't learn from it. Right. I mean, I think we look at security in every aspect of our lives, not just in the digital realm. And to me, the one wonderful thing is that I think if we have a field full of diverse people and diverse opinions, we can draw lessons from maybe these other models in a way that will allow us to make more intelligent decisions and really build better security capabilities for securing all of our assets in the future. I certainly hope so, because we have to find ways to do that. Thank you for listening to this RSA Conference StoryCorps podcast. It was produced by RSA Conference with interviews recorded by StoryCorps, a national nonprofit whose mission is to provide Americans of all backgrounds and beliefs with the opportunity to record, share, and preserve the stories of our lives. www.storycorps.org.